Welcome, everybody. It's Friday night. You made it to Friday night. It's time to have a drink, I think, after that week. And if we're not in Cancun, I mean, you guys had a good trip, trip, trip to Cancun, didn't you guys? Everyone came back looking brilliantly tanned and lovely. You're still drinking. It's all good. Yeah, I'm so tan. <laughs> so welcome so to the tan. show, everybody. We have a great panel tonight, and it includes Greg Smith, two Gs, Smith, uh, who's just below LB on the screen over there. Uh, you may know him from the show before because he's been here to talk about his work with Eric Prince. Today, he's here as a Democratic candidate for Colorado's third district, that district currently represented by Representative Lauren Boebert. I think I say her name correctly. Um, do I, Greg, there you go. Hi, Greg. How are you? Thanks for joining us. Uh, it's, it's my pleasure, Zeb. Thank you for having me. And a lot of breaking news. So looking forward to a uh, lively show. There is breaking news about Eric Prince. Everyone stay tuned for that. That's going to be very interesting and exciting. Time could not be better to have Greg here. And Greg Oliar, the extraordinary publisher of Prevail and the author of uh, Dirty Rubles is here as well. Hi, Greg. How are you? Hi, Zev. How's it going? It's good. You've got some breaking news about uh, about the Kim Kardashian marriage, which I know you're dying to get to, but we'll we'll wait for that. <laughs> and it wouldn't be a Friday night without LB. Hi, LB. Yay! How's it going? Yay! Hi. I'm, I'm so happy to be here. I, I really needed Friday night to come. And oh, so absolutely. This is a, it's a nice marker for me, and I'm so happy to see two Gregs. Two Gregs. Um, we, how we, gonna, we have to identify them differently, I think. Double G. Double G. <laughs> Double G in the house. I'm double G. So we do have some breaking news, and Greg, we should go to you right away on this one because it really is big news. The news is about Eric Prince. This is a big investigation the United Nations has been doing into Eric Prince's running a, a military operation, a mercenary operation to dethrone, to decapitate the UN government in Libya. And he was doing that on behalf of Khalifa Haftar. That's as much as I know about the story from when we reported it on narrative. But tonight, there's new confirmation that the United Nations has in fact confirmed that he violated their arms embargo. And Eric, I'm sorry, Greg, why don't you tell us exactly what he did there and uh, why this is such bad news for Eric Prince? Yeah, I have not read the uh, UN report, but apparently it's 121 pages long and it was delivered to the Security Council yesterday. So here's what I know without reading the report. Uh, is I've talked to people. Um, in 2013 or 14, Eric Prince started courting uh, Khalifa Haftar um, to do whatever he was going to do. At that point, Eric was only in, only involved in, mil in mercenary operations in South Sudan and Azerbaijan, but clearly he had his eyes on Libya at that point. So what's happened over the years is he took his little army in the box and he took it from Azerbaijan to South Sudan, and then he took it to Libya. These are all the same people that have been involved the entire time. And frankly, I went to the DOJ in 2015, late 2015, early 2016, and reported that Eric was playing footsies with Haftar, that he was taking flights from Frontier Services Group that looked like, clearly Haftar was on flights, and it also looked like he may have been moving arms into Libya at that point. So this was as early as 2016. And what happened is we make the report. I think the DOJ at that point had decided to sit on it and kind of wait and see, let the election happen. And lo and behold, Donald Trump wins the election, and uh, he buries this thing. Um, 
and it was buried in the U.S. for four years. But uh, thank God that the U.N. continued to do their job, and they've produced a 121-page report that says Eric Prince violated U.N.'s uh, weapons embargo and sanctions on Libya. And uh, there's a lot more to come from this. So this is just this is the first layer that we're going to see about Eric Prince in Libya, and uh, it's going to get more fantastic. So just to underline the news there, though, you said you reported this in 2016 or 2015. Well, the first time I sent our attorneys over to talk to the DOJ about things that Eric Prince was doing was late 2015. I think we specifically started talking about Haftar in Libya in early 2016. Well, that's a stunning news that that's way it goes back that long and the DOJ did nothing with it. And of course, we know that the Trump administration decided to back Haftar, even though that it was an American policy. Uh, you know, that at some point in the, in the, in his yeah. administration, he turned and uh, so gave his support to Haftar, which of course is who Russia supports. You know, when you look at Libya, there's, there's two halves. There's the United Nations half. That run, runs the whole country, and then there's the Haftar half, which runs the oil fields, and that is run primarily because Russia and the UAE funds it. So that you know, Trump was basically going against our own American policy and funding Haftar, and now it turns out that Eric Prince, one of his key advisors, was out there trying to run a military operation to overthrow the United Nations government to, to, to install Haftar. I mean, that is, is stunning. I mean, that's just kind of private mercenary army thing. It's not even that private because he's running it for the president of the United States almost. Yeah, there's there's a lot more involvement uh, that's going to get dug into. So there's at least two federal police forces that are looking into this right now, Zev. Mm -hmm. um, that much I'm 100% sure of. Yeah, so, so we're, we're going to see a lot more. But but. The, the, so, yeah, the formal U.S. policy was supporting the GNA in Libya, yeah. and Trump was supporting Haftar. Now, the other part is this. Haftar is also a U.S. citizen. Um, there, there's, there's much more to come. I think it's fantastic reporting by the New York Times and Declan Walsh. And, but but I am, uh, I'm certain this is just the tip of the iceberg with respect to the outsourcing of America's policy by Donald Trump to MBZ, MBS, Netanyahu, and Eric Prince. And there's a lot more coming on this front and it's gonna be coming from everywhere. And this is the first significant action taken by the an international body against someone this close to, to Donald Trump um, and this close to his campaign. Um, this is the first time we've seen an, an action against any of them. We haven't seen them domestically because there has been you know, a, a, a decapitated DOJ, but now it's the first time we've seen a foreign body like the United Nations take action against any of these people. And it's Eric Prince, and it's quite a significant uh, sanctions that he's getting. I mean, he, they can take away a lot of his resources. Isn't that correct? They can absolutely close down his bank accounts, which would be devastating. If you remember, remember when Pompeo took the UN out of the ICC, or the US out of the ICC, yes. the International yes. Criminal Court? This is why he yep. did it. He knew that the UN was pursuing Eric Prince. Eric Prince is a close ally of Trump. And when Pompeo took us out of the ICC, it wasn't for any holistic reason. It was to protect Trump's uh, very closest allies.
Unbelievable. I mean, this is really a significant story. It's probably not getting as much attention as it should tonight because there's so much other news going on. But I hope uh, people pick up on it because it's certainly uh, the first time we've seen any of these guys face face the music. I mean, really, we're expecting more because today there was uh, news by the Manhattan office. Uh, they've, they've hired somebody new uh, to take on the Donald Trump case. We'll get to that in a bit. Uh, in, a, in a bit. But this is the first time I think we've seen a real enforcement of any action against uh, anyone in the Trump administration to this extent. So hopefully we will get to see a lot more of that. And, th and this is an interesting one because it's it's going after essentially his money. I mean, the sanctions, just the U.S. sanctions for dealing with, you know, governments that are on the list can be very harsh. Even when you're dealing in things like coins and antiquities, it can be harsh. So when you're dealing in arms, that's a, a whole other level of harshness. Um, but you know the, the the UN coming and 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 shutting him down financially would just be devastating because we're not going to get he's in the UAE he's not going to we're going to arrest him and bring him to you know but to cutting off his money is a real serious penalty. Yeah. The other thing I was reading I was reading the article and the word that jumped out at me was the uh, the city that um, Haftar uh, is associated with, which is Benghazi. So it's going to be fun to watch the Republicans pretend not to care about Benghazi when the story <laughs> comes out. More. Uh, good point. Good point. I think uh, there might be some connective tissue there as well. Mm, yeah, um, there probably is. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know your story, uh, Greg, with Eric, because it started many decades ago. When, when did you first meet him? I met Eric right when he came out of the SEALs. I think it was 97. He was just starting on Blackwater. Uh, we, we, I was a you know vet, Marine vet. He was a SEAL vet. I was an investment banker. He was a rich kid with uh, a bunch of stuff to uh, buy and sell. So we became friends and, um, you know, so we were friends for almost uh, 18 years. I helped them after Nisor Square, I helped them sell Blackwater. And then in 2013, he invited me to help them set up a logistics company in Africa. Uh, I became the CEO of Frontier Services Group. He became the chairman. And it was going pretty well up until uh, middle of 2015 when I found out the aircraft we were supposed to be using for surveillance he had turned into light attack aircraft illegally I, I thought that was a bad idea so I uh, you know contacted our board member Admiral William Fallon former CENTCOM commander contacted my uh, buddy who was our COO uh, Pete Phillips former JSOC deputy and we went over to the DOJ we went to the Department of State and we turned Eric in and Everyone turned a blind eye, mm. and I, I had no hope that there would be any justice during the Trump administration, so there's not a person in the world, and I know there's a lot of happy people, but there's not a person in the world happier than I was when Joe Biden was elected, and uh, I was really nervous up until uh, the inauguration, because four days before the inauguration, I got contacted by folks who had friends inside the White House and said, you know, there's a pardon for Eric Prince sitting on Donald Trump's desk. And he's going to sign it tomorrow. Wow. So that would, have been the Sunday, that would have been the Sunday before inauguration. And, you know, I, I wow. literally vomited. And uh, lo and behold, probably because of the events of January 6th, those pardons did not happen. And uh, now Eric has a chance to, uh, uh, if you remember, there's a very famous interview with Mehdi Hassan, who did a brilliant job with Eric Great in job. the interview. One of the best interviews. And, uh yeah, and Eric, Eric mocked the Washington, D.C. jury pool as not being a jury of his peers. I hope he gets to meet them. 
<laughs> I think it's so important, and I'll let everyone jump in in a second here. But the, you know, people have asked me how uh, you know you're standing, you're you're standing for uh, the, the the third district there in, in Colorado and as a Democrat, and and you know they say how can we trust this guy? He worked with Eric Prince for two decades or, or what have you, and what you just said is is exactly why you can trust you to 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 do this. But can you explain to people why they can trust you in this as you're running for office there? Yeah, throughout my entire life, I've done what is right for me, my family, and the country, and I've never balked at it. So, uh, you know, when I started working with Eric Prince, he wasn't a criminal. He was a former Navy SEAL. Uh, when I went to work with him again after 2010, he was under a deferred prosecution agreement. He had paid $45 million in fines. He had, if you will, squared up with the government and we were doing the right thing. And when I found out that uh, he was doing what I thought were criminal activities again, uh, I literally hired the best law firm in Washington, whose offices were right across from the DOJ, who, whose attorney was the number two in the Holder uh, Department of Justice. That was our lead attorney. And I said, dudes, we're going across the street. And they contacted John Carlin, who was then the uh, DOJ National Security Division leader. And we went over and told them everything we knew. And I offered to bring over thousands of pages of documents with me. I do the right thing. Whether the people I take it to want to follow through and do the right thing, I have no control over. But I'll always do the right thing. And I, I did the right thing in that case. And I'll always do the right thing for Colorado 3. That's a good answer. I was one of the first people to boost your announcement. And then I Thank went you. into DMs. Yeah, and I, I dumped it in some DMs, but first I went to you and I said, um, you better do this. <laughs> like, are you, you I think it was a Friday, and I was like, you better, you know, I want to see that Monday filing. Are you serious about this? Because um, a lot of people float it and think about it running, and then they don't follow through. And you were saying to me, yep, I'm doing it. And so then I dump it in DMs. And I'm like, okay, this guy's you know, former Marine, let's go. Uh, um, so I want to tell the audience the, the reason why for me, I jumped on that for you is one, the, the, to me, the greatest threat we're facing right now domestically are these elected officials who have aligned themselves with domestic terrorism um, and think that that is their pathway to office. And they're using a cosplay. And I know I, I threw this on. <laughs> I threw on my one little army jacket. I, but I didn't do it thinking. It was literally out and I was rushing around. And it was out. So I'm, not, well done. I'm not cosplaying. But, um, you know, that, that the sort of Second Amendment rights cosplaying, I'm going to rub up against the three percenters, Lowen Bobards of the world, um, are a real danger, a real danger to this nation. And I want her out. And so, to me, the strongest one of the strongest things to put in there opposed to her is actually somebody who's lived a life that she cosplays um, and allow Colorado to actually see that and absorb that. So that's the first thing is I actually think you really can't beat her. The second thing, um, it's not just my reasoning, but I want to I bring it to you as a question. So there's, I don't know if you know that there's a little conspiracy going on about you <laughs> in the Twitter sphere that somehow you uh, brought forward sort of information on Eric Prince and you've been 
broadcasting that and pumping that because that actually is a lesser crime and obscures some bigger crimes. So you're actually still working in coordination with him to try to make it all go soft on him. So, you know, I know that that's horseshit, but this is what's being floated. So I wanted to give you an opportunity to address that because a lot of the folks in our audience have seen that. Um, on Twitter about about you, that sort of accusation that you're somehow fronting for him in some way. But also I wanna put it to you of, I wanna know with the skill set that you have, with the information and knowledge that you have, with what you saw and witnessed and how you know the world works, what you can bring into Congress to go ahead and bring the full force of our government and in an investigative way on these, what I call fucketeers, right? These guys that are out there either with data or with arms doing dirty deals and destabilizing democracies all over the show. So to me, that is a skill set that I want in there. I want a fire breathing dragon inside of Congress who understands a world that they quite don't quite get in the way they need to so that we can um, enforce some of our laws and actually start some investigations that uh, into our, our own Americans, like Eric Prince, who go off and run, the, run around the globe and commit all of these crimes. So that's a, it's a big two-part thing for you, but maybe address the conspiracy that you are, you are in some way still working for him. <laughs> and uh, secondly, what you can do when we put you into, when the, the Colorado puts you into Congress. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, LB. Uh, I don't read my Twitter feed anymore, so uh, that's just a safe way to approach life. Um, however, let me tell you a quick story about how the last exchange I've ever had with Eric Prince went. So I had launched an investigation that I spent a million dollars on into Eric's and his allies' activities globally. So I spent a million of my firm's money and they came back with, I said, about a thousand page report. So we're ready to launch this report at a board meeting in Hong Kong in March of 2016. Before that board meeting, so I, I have to walk into a board meeting with Eric Prince, who most people are just scared shitless of. I have to walk into this board meeting in 10 minutes and present for two days, a thousand page report outlining things that I think he's been doing that are illegal or unethical. And I'm going to be staring at him for the next two days. I'm sitting in our CFO's little office in Hong Kong, and Eric walks in. I said, hello, Eric. Hello, Greg. You know, we have a little chat. We've known each other for 18 years. And I said, Eric, you've been doing a lot of illegal things. And he said, well, Greg, if I've been doing illegal things, that means you have too. And I said, fuck you. We're going to find out. So for the next 48 hours, I presented page by page to our board, which included Admiral William Fallon, who is one of the most respected admirals in the history of the Navy. I think he may be the only admiral to have two four-star commands, PACOM and CETCOM. Okay? So I'm sitting there with Admiral Fallon, and I present page by page. After two days of that, Eric gets up with his Chinese friends and says, yeah, that's all nice, but we've decided we're going to take the company that you've been running for the last couple of years, that you're claiming I've done all these things wrong with, and we're going to turn it into a security company on behalf of the Chinese Belt and Road. I looked at Admiral Fallon. He looked at me. I said, well, then I fucking resign. Admiral Fallon says, I'm resigning with Greg. I stood up within the next two minutes. 
I looked at Eric and I said goodbye. And that's the last time I've talked to that guy in so almost five years now. So if anyone thinks I'm still working for Eric Prince, they haven't been paying attention because I've been working my ass off to make sure he sees a jury of his peers in Washington, D.C. Full stop. Now, what can I bring to Washington, D.C.? Your other question, LB. Well, what I can bring is I have traveled. I've been an investment banker. I've been a logistics CEO in Africa, the Middle East, and Asia. And I've lived out here in Colorado on a little ranch. I can bring a lot to Washington. You see a lot of perspective. But I will bring civility. I will bring decorum. And I'm not going to put up a bullshit. So if I see something, I'll say something. But I'll say it in a civil way. I'm not going to say the liberal Democrats from Denver are coming for your guns, grab a hold of your guns and your flag like Warren Bolbert does. It's not what this is about. This is about civility. It's about discourse. And it's about bringing rationality back to Washington, D.C. But it's about bringing it w w with some sense of knowing what the hell is going on. So I know what's going on with the Chinese. I know what's going on with the Russians. I know what's going on with MBZ, MBS. I know what's going on in East Africa. I know what's going on out here in Western Colorado. So that's what I'm going to bring to Washington, D.C. And I'll, I'll bring it in a rational manner. I think it's important to add the line as well. Which you do, the, the point you're making there as well is that Eric Prince works for the Chinese. I mean, that's that's, yeah, who, pays, that's who pays his his, yeah. his salary every time he gets a, a big check from them. And the guy's name, I think, if it's still correct, I, I probably not. Uh, Chang Zengming is probably not there anymore as the chair of the group. No, he's there. He's still no, there. No, 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 no. He, he, yeah, he's there. And, and, and Mr. Chang is very, very wow. close to Mr. Xi. I mean, extremely close to Mr. Xi, uh, who is the leader of China. So you've got a, almost a direct, you know, maybe it's not direct, maybe it's slightly indirect relationship with the very head of the Communist Party of China that Eric Prince works for to do a lot of the things that he does around the world, including, it seems, advising the president of the United States or the former president of the United States. I mean, that's, um, I don't think people really understand that. They don't really, that doesn't really register with them. And I think it's the most important piece of what Eric Prince his story is all about. Yeah, yeah so I just so, the lead on that one. <laughs> so Eric Prince is with the Chinese, and Greg Smith is with the one of the most decorated admirals uh, in the history of the U.S. Navy. Just to yeah. you know, sum up where we're at with yeah. with, with you two. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, these are these are. We're gonna go with the admiral. <laughs> <laughs> go with the admiral. I'm I'm, I'm, I'm going with Fox Fallon. <laughs> Did you, uh, yeah. do you, you haven't spoken to Eric Prince at all? You haven't encountered him, you haven't bumped into him, there's been no other conversations in uh, since since then no. in 2016. And you have no a desire to? His, no, no desire to. A couple of his uh, allies, uh, his associates, have uh, reached out to me to make threats. Uh, but that's, that's all I've heard. And, and then I've had close friends of mine make sure they keep an eye on him. And, and we've been in touch for you know a good couple of years almost now I think and uh, at no point have you at any point suggested that you've you know have any support or co contact with Eric Prince at all. In fact, uh, you brought me the Chinese story about Eric Prince about a year and a half ago, and, uh, and you're as dogged then as you are now about it. And uh, certainly doesn't seem like you've wavered in any way. I don't know where these rumors or conspiracies are coming from. I haven't seen them, but they they don't strike me as being oh, it's true. Just Twitter, yeah, yeah just, it's Twitter. just Twitter. Um, we should but talk it's about, important because yeah. it's in the discourse to sort of, I wanted to give Greg a chance to just address it. 
Thank and, you. and to everybody listening, stop putting that in my Twitter timeline. <laughs> I'm not interested in that anymore. <laughs> I'm done with that. How piece. about that? <laughs> I'm done. So it's also been six weeks since uh, the January 6th uprising, or call it what you will, the coup attempt, the insurrection. Now six Capitol policemen have been suspended, 35 are still being investigated for what, uh, you know, we're not sure exactly why they're being investigated, but it seems that they've somehow were sympathetic to the, uh, to the insurrectionists, which is a big shock. You know, when you think about it, the Pentagon that day didn't allow the National Guard to come in and help them defend against this coup attempt or this insurrection as it was approaching them. And now we find out that even some of the Capitol Police members, they're members who are trying to, to, to supposedly stop this crowd from getting to the Congress, getting to our lawmakers, um, some of them were sympathetic and maybe even letting some of them, some of the protesters in. And I've got some video that I'm going to show you in a second about that. It's a, it's a quite a devastating story, really, when you think about how deep and far uh, this coup organization has gone. I mean, we've certainly in the past told you about, you know, the Roger Stone piece of it, uh, building out the Proud Boys and then the Infowars with Alex, jo um, Alex Jones uh, and then Michael Flynn building out Q. Those have all been real, but to, to go into the institutions of America America, like the like the Capitol Police, and I assume the Pentagon. I assume we're going to find out over the next few days that it was also the Pentagon. That's quite serious stuff. Um, Greg, let's take your take on that because you've got obviously experience as a former Marine, but also uh, someone who wants to be a lawmaker. What do you, what's your take on all of that? Well, I think we we're all appalled when we saw what we did, but you know, I've had enough interaction with the FBI. Um, agents from the Washington field office, including getting phone calls, wondering if I might have known if any of Eric Prince's former associates were involved. So I've had enough interaction to know that they are going to leave no stone unturned. And they their, their intention is to bring every single conspirator to justice. So I believe that's going to happen. I don't know what those Capitol, you know, most of those Capitol officers were fighting for the lives of our congressmen yeah. and our vice president. God bless them. Some of the officers seem to have done some odd stuff, and that needs to be investigated. And then certainly the folks you talked about, Flynn, Stone, Jones, I'm certain they're being investigated right now. Yeah. I'm certain my congresswoman, Lauren Boebert, has at least been looked into. She, you can't lie to during the insurrection, the speaker, the, the location of the Speaker of the House, well, there's people trying to kill her. So I, I have complete confidence that the Department of Justice and the FBI, under Chris Ray and hopefully Merrick Garland, will do their constitutional duty and make sure everyone involved in that will be brought to justice. So, uh, you know, I'll leave it to Greg and LB and you to sort that out but that's my belief yeah it's worth underlining what lauren bobert did that day i mean it's horrific when you think about it at 8 30 in the morning she tweeted today is 1776 and then at 12 30 she was america is depending on all of us today this is something i don't take lightly i will fight with everything i have to ensure the fairness of this election and then she goes on to do these two tweets here. This is only the second one, but at 2.17, she's revealing where the Speaker of the House is as this mob is attacking the House, as it's trying to get into the chamber, as it's trying to find the Speaker, presumably to hang her or kill her or something. That's when she tweets out the Speaker has been removed from the chambers. It is 
an appalling, appalling uh, break of and, and breaking national security and a real threat to national security to be doing something like that. Uh, and it's just shocking that she's still, you know, in, in Congress. Uh, you know, she hasn't been censured as much, but at least there is some movement to censure uh, MGT. But it's a, it's, a, it's a challenging situation where you've got these kind of supposed patriots who are actually being treasonous inside, inside the chamber. Pelosi said that we don't censor for, she said we censor for using the wrong stationary. Like this goes way beyond what that's even supposed to be for. Yeah. You know, the, the FBI yeah. has to handle this. And, and Lauren Boebert is not um, immunized from crime just because she happens to be a representative in Congress. Right. If she did something wrong, she's going to, you know, she's going to pay the price here. Um, I don't know what happens. Yeah. I mean, if she, if, if she's being investigated and then she gets prosecuted and then gets convicted, um, does the seat open up or is it just our representative is in prison, right? Until the next election. I, I don't know who decides. I think the that. house, the house can, I think the house can, um, and correct me if I'm wrong, cause I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but they, they can vote to expel, right? I know the Senate can, but they have to vote okay. with like tooth or whatever it is. Well, Once someone's they in prison. I think you resign when you get to prison. I think you're sort of, you're supposed to resign. Well, well yeah, yeah, yes. Lady's gonna resign. I don't think she is. Yeah. Well, so the way it works is she can resign or be be expelled. She can do either. And if it happens in this calendar year, there will be a special election. If it happens in next calendar year, that seat will remain open until the next planned election. Okay. 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 Um, Get her. She was. She was. She was also appearing today with a. With art, with, you know, she doesn't seem very. Uh, uh, what's the word? Smart. Smart. <laughs> yes, it's another word. But uh, you know, she was she appeared today with these guns behind her during a, a press conference. Um, not a press conference. It was a hearing, I think, on on actually the Second <sighs> Amendment, and it's just so tasteless and and awful. But um, what? How does this? It isn't even. It isn't even artful. Yeah. It, it, it looks like a no. piled mess. Like at least you know, make it look nice. Come on, Laura Bobert. What's going on in Colorado? Are people thinking that she's like she is something like you know? Is she popular there? Is this idea of of a congresswoman running around with these weapons and throwing them behind her as a backdrop? Is it? Is does that make her popular in Colorado? Well, I can't speak for any of Colorado actually, but I, I will say that you know she won the majority of votes just two months ago, and she won the majority of votes because her shtick was. I'll fight for your guns. The liberal Democrats from Denver are coming from your guns, and we're not going to let them take them. So, I mean, the gun thing is her shtick. Did she yeah, have she had a, you know, Diane Mitch. Oh. Yeah, Diane Mitch Bush is a real person, and she was a terrific candidate, uh, well-reasoned, well, well-thought-out person. Uh, but, you know, the the this is a very red district that we're in here, and the, uh, the Trump tailwinds that she got in behind were, were pretty strong out here in a very rural area. And she was really just, she was two things. She was, I love Donald Trump and I love the guns. And, you know, this is not, this is a second amendment district. Uh, most folks, not most, but many folks out here own guns and uh, it worked. It's pathetic. It's terrible. It's disgusting. It's makes you want to vomit, but it worked. Is, is any of these revelations about all of this being, you know, the, the big lie and, and this whole campaign being kind of fake, 
being fake, not in kind of fake. Is any of that resonating with people in, in, in those red states? Is, it, is any of it getting through to them? Is this, you know, this is not a, this is all a fraud. This is a con being done on you. No, you know, I, I don't think that's resonating. I really don't. Uh, but I think what is resonating with real patriots is what they saw on January 6th. That's resonating. So the folks I talked to, and I talked to a lot of veterans, that was an attack on our democracy. 